Also, in one of the other vines, uh, Martin Jones is, like, half in his goalie gear, uh, you know, blocking shots, but it's, Mm -hmm. they're, like, tiny goals, you know, so he is just straight, it, like, comes up to his waist, the top of the goal. (laughs) That's really funny. He's huge. (laughs) He's so tall. It's because he's all limbs. Yeah. That I'm just like, oh, he's gigantic. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, isn't he, like, 6'4"? Yeah, that's what I mean. He's 6'4". Yeah. And, and like, kind of, like, bean-poly, because Jeff Carter is 6'4", and, like, I know he's 6'4", but he kind of is, you know, a little bit more built, I suppose. Or he doesn't look so gangly. Yeah. But Uh, it's weird with Jeff Carter, because he doesn't, like, when I look at him, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's tall, but he doesn't look huge to me. Like, in comparison, like, watching the Penguins, like, Gino looks huge, and I think him and Jeff are about the same height, but Gino looked so much bigger than Jeff Carter to me. Uh, Gino <laughs> looks like he was, like, copy and pasted from, like, a different document and, like, rescaled incorrectly <laughs> to, like, yeah. whatever photoshopped image he was trying to be put into. I'm like, this is, like, you know, just, like, someone just, like, just missed the uh, the ratio of, like, how he's supposed to be in real life. <laughs> so he's just, like, slightly larger than everything else in the scene. And, you know, someone with, like, a good Photoshop eye would be like, oh, you might want to scale that down, you know, right. just, like, a couple just, of percentage points. Just, but, like, make it uh, more life-size, yeah. <laughs> please. <laughs> it needs to be more realistic. I'm glad that you just called him getting walking a bad Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for L.A. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed forward, cheer for, uh, kind of like it. Richard throws it in front, Carter, score! Well done, boy. There's some swagger. Push come to show, we're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Thanks Bud Podcast. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. We are back for episode 18. Unfortunately, it's another episode where we can talk about um, the Kings underachieving. They did at least win one game this week, but it was more like the Sharks lost worse than them rather than the Kings won. (laughs) It was a 1-0 or 1-0 game. Jonathan Quick got a shutout. And since then, everything has been sad again because the Kings continue to outperform the teams that they face but can't score any goals. Andre Kopitar is the only person who has scored a goal in the last six games. And when he doesn't score, the Kings have been shut out. So how about that? So basically, Andre Kopitar deserves all the medals, including the Olympic gold medal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that's been my joke that I'm sort of serious about, is that I want a Slovenian upset for the Olympics at this point, because I want Andre Kopitar to be the only NHL player this year that has a gold medal. That would be <laughs> amazing to me. Because he deserves it. Yeah, he's working so hard. And with the way that the Kings have been playing, he's clearly heating up. Meanwhile, the Canadians that are that mostly make up the LA Kings, cool enough. I think it looks good for Andre Kovatar at Sochi. I was really hoping that Jeff Carter, I mean, he was trying. He was, uh, he was. This, this past game, uh, especially, that he would get a goal against the Flyers. Um, but no. 
Why, why would I, why should I have expected anything? Mm-mm. No, the kings can't break whatever is happening to them. And I think that's the thing that people are, have taken away from it at this point. When, like, you look at it and it's like, all right, they can't put the puck in the net. But then you look at the numbers. And even when you look at the game a little closer, like, even today, they had a couple, you know, a few different chances where it was, like, right in the net, you know, people crowding around. It should have gone in. Somehow it doesn't. That just seems to be how it goes for them. That Justin Williams wraparound was upsetting, or oh, attempted sure. wraparound, I guess, because uh, that that should have gone in, and instead off the post. And then, of course, on the flip side of that, like the Kings are, you know, they're not playing bad, but it seems like every time they do have a pretty noticeable mistake, like today with that first goal, where it was like, all right three people were tracking one guy and then the dude instead of shooting passed leaving um and at that time the kings had left wayne simmons wide open he puts it into just a gaping net (laughs) and suddenly the kings are down one and it seems like that happens for them like they play really well and then they give up you know one big mistake and that takes because they can't score any goals that kills the entire game yeah that like that one mistake shouldn't matter it should be okay no one's perfect you know but because they can't get their offense going at all, uh, all of those are just dire, dire mistakes. The death knell for the Kings. Yeah, and even with the Pens game that we went to, we went to see the Penguins on Thursday, and it was sort of the same thing. Like, they actually, you know, they got down one nothing earlier because, or early in the game, I should say, like a minute into it, because after some passing and some pressure in their zone, they left Yevgeny Malkin wide open, and you know what kind of people you can't leave wide open? People like him, <laughs> because <laughs> they will score. And he did, and the Kings were down one nothing. but as should be the case, it was early, they should have a chance to come back. They actually scored on that power play, and they were right back in it, but then they shot themselves in the foot by taking penalties pretty much immediately. Yeah, that the five on three during the Penguins game was the nail in the coffin for the Kings there, um, especially since the Penguins actually has a power play that uh, does something and uh, gets power play goals when they need it, and they got two of them. So that was really that was it for the Kings. They scored their one goal that they're ever going to get in a game, and that was it. Again by Andre Kopitar, and it was like oh a power play goal, but then it was like oh wait Kobe did it so. All right, somebody else. And then, of course, nobody else. (laughs) Because that's not how it works right now. (laughs) It's either Kopitar or nobody. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then, you know, they have two more periods to try to come back, and they don't. And that's been the story. And obviously, the only time that that worked out in their favor was against the Sharks, which should be something that we had the, you know, we should have had the opportunity to really celebrate that. Like, it's the first time the Kings have won a game in the Sharks arena in so long. But it's like because they're in the middle of this ridiculous slump, you can't even, like, really celebrate that win because you're kind of like, oh, well, at least they won one. Barely. <laughs> By the skin of their teeth, really. I mean, Jonathan Quick had one last pad save at the very end there. Oh, true, yeah. They made him work for it. And that's, like, what it is right now. It's, like, either your goaltender is absolutely perfect, and, of course, right now it's mostly been Jonathan Quick who's starting. Um, so either he's lights out every night or they're not coming out with any points. It's frustrating being a Kings fan right now, especially since this is a very new and a very sudden occurrence. Like, the month of December was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, It seemed that the Kings were just winning left, right, and center. Everything looked solid. Everything was connecting. Um, And then January came about and was terrible. It's been bad. It has been a bad 
months. And I think at this point, probably both the Kings and the fans are just like, can the Olympic break get here? Just to have a change in something. Because right now, I mean, who knows? Because a key part of the Kings core will be playing in the Olympics for their various countries. So who knows what they'll come back like, if they'll still be tired or whatever. But at least it will have been a break for, I don't know, maybe something to change, hopefully. That's the thing, though. It's like, I don't know that the problem with the Kings scoring or the problem with the Kings right now is something that, like, a good vacation can solve. Or even just, like, a break from the everyday stresses of, like, the NHL. Like, yeah, the, the people are playing to the, or going to the Olympics, and of course it's, like, a big deal, but it's not their, you know, they're still leaving their day job for this other thing, but... I don't know how much that's going to help because it's not... I know they're playing a hard schedule. I know that it's like a tough, compacted schedule with tough teams like around this time, but I'm not sure that their their scoring woes or the, the problems that I've seen them have is something that some rest or like a change of scenery is really going to help with. Yeah, that's kind of my concern. I think because key players are playing during the Olympics too, so they're not getting any break at all. I am hopeful that at least the change in pace with having, you know, with not being part of the Kings every day for a couple of weeks, that maybe that will change something in some intangible way. I don't know. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. But but that's the thing. It's like this stretch makes so little sense that it's hard to predict whether something will work or it won't. Like any day things could be different and it's kind of like everybody's in this place where we're just waiting to see what day that is yep i i'm with you in that i'm just kind of like counting down the days till the olympic break i guess you and everyone else all of us we're just waiting for the olympic break to come we can think about something else and then hopefully it'll be like a new a, a season anew Hopefully, yeah. So really quick, just to update everybody on where their record is, they are now 30, 21, and 6. So, you know, if you're paying attention, that means thanks to this stretch of horribleness in uh, the very end of December and in January, they went from having an amazing record for the season to now having almost lost as many games as they've won. (laughs) And that sucks. They are somehow miraculously still third in the Pacific Division, but there is a huge gap between them and the San Jose Sharks and then of course the Anaheim Ducks. The Coyotes and the Canucks are always sort of lingering just behind the Kings, but they are pretty much inconsistent as well. The Kings obviously lost against the Phoenix Coyotes this week. They they didn't play the Canucks this week, but the last time they played them and every time they've played the Canucks this season they've won, so they've held off the Canucks a little bit. We'll see if that holds true through the Olympic break when all the teams stop playing. Anything could still happen. But the Kings have been or continue to be lucky in the standings, even if they continue to have zero puck luck on the ice. And so at least there's that for them, I guess. We'll see. Yeah, it's just like it's just like the Sharks game, like you were saying. It's not so much the Kings won and like beat the Sharks. It's more like the Sharks just lost more than uh, the Kings did, and it's kind of the same now. Um, everyone seems to be going through um, a fortuitous bad bad luck stretch, all the teams that are uh, below the Kings, at least. So at least everyone else is garbage, which is, I mean, obviously, we're very disheartened and frustrated and angry. And this is us, like, very calm about our feelings about the Kings, because any other time we would just be, like, screaming about it. Oh, yeah. But (laughs) um, (laughs) part of the reason that it's kind of, it is what it is mentality right now is that they are still pretty solidly, you know, knock on wood, third in the standings. 
Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll be totally honest. Like, when I'm not recording this podcast, all I do is talk about how terrible they are. I talk shit about the Kings all the time. It is a hobby. The number of times that you have said, I hate this damn team, is <laughs> bordering on... I could start my own tip a king to, like, proceeds benefiting King's Care um, on my own with how many times you just say that. Just like, and also out of the blue, you know, it's not always just like sometime I'll just show up um, and I'll have like a text being like, I hate this team. And I'll be like, ah, what now? <laughs> right, what'd they do today? Uh, yeah, no, they completely frustrate me. I, I love, I love this team, obviously, like, you know. We wouldn't feel this way if we didn't. You know, this is not the way you feel about some something that you're uh, a fair weather friend to, but right, uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of emotions happening. So that's why it's you know completely frustrating. I um, there was like a moment during the Penguins game where I I forget exactly what happened. Was it like another? I think it was a situation where Mike Richards failed to connect on a pass because that's all he does these days, and I was just. So appalled <laughs> that it happened. And I wasn't surprised, but still, like, really, you're going to do that? Or, like, there was this moment where a puck came in and Robin Regeer was supposed to defend it, but instead he kind of let it bobble around his skates a little bit and Martin Jones finally had to dive on the puck. And I was like, come on, dude, like, really? If you're going to play on this team and he had, like, his thousandth game today, that's supposed to be great. I really wish you could, like, prove that you're a good defenseman. Oh, if only. Um, even though he was terrible during the Penguins game and had that assist to Tanner Glass, and he was, I don't know, not egregiously terrible in this Flyers game, because it was his thousandth game, I like went into it being like, ugh, I still hate you, Like everything is terrible. But I watched like his interview and saw the thing, and I'm like, but he's still a nice Sasky boy. I like still ended up being fond, <laughs> fond of no. him. So I feel really bad about myself. <laughs> no, I. I mean, I don't know anything about Robin Regeer really. Like everything I know about Robin Regeer, Diane has told me. <laughs> but um, so he's probably fine. Like he seems like a okay dude. But he's not a good defenseman, and I don't want him on this team anymore. <laughs> Please just go away. <laughs> Please. <laughs> But he's not, because the Daryl Sutter and Dean Lombardi still think he's awesome for reasons escaping my understanding, and this is what I have to deal with as a fan of this team. Speaking of, okay, so you mentioned um, their schedule and how it's more difficult than other teams and whatnot. John Rosen, first of all, a few different people have written things trying to explain where the Kings are, you know, telling fans not to panic as was the case with the Jules from the Crown piece by Robert, which is amazing. And we linked on Twitter, but you should still read it anyway if you have not. I saw a couple other things. I think a more general SB Nation piece about the scoring and whatnot for the Kings. And then John Rosen wrote this piece for the main Kings site called Winter Spell, and it talked about the state of the Kings now and sort of what led up to this slump and whatnot. Anyway, this particular paragraph, here we go. It says... It does appear as though Los Angeles's rugged brand of defensive hockey, coupled with the compressed schedule and clearly the toughest competition of the season, has led to the recent stretch. Of the Kings' 15 January games, seven are against teams that stood atop their division Wednesday morning. And while last season's truncated schedule meant a heavy assortment of back-to-back and three-game and four-night sets, it was only over 48 games. Los Angeles played its 55th game of the season on Tuesday night, and the 55th the 55th game of the lockout shortened season was game one of the San Jose series. 
So I find that really interesting. Just A, first of all, to highlight that even though this is a full season, it is a compressed schedule um, because of the Olympics. But also then that it kind of seems a little bit like it would be one thing if they had gone into the playoffs last year and had no scoring trouble, but they hit a drought then too. So it seems like this is is also just kind of their due. Like clearly their system just fails them <laughs> after this length of time and that they got to take some time to get over it and then it's fine again. I don't know. It seems kind of strange that it seems to have broken down at exactly the same place in the amount I- of games played. <laughs> I guess it's it's just their thing where, you know, you play hard, you do well for, like, a, like really well and get everyone's hopes up, essentially, um, at the beginning of the season and then kind of peter out for a little bit and then uh, get that last playoff push and still make it in and go far, um, I guess, is the, the King's M.O. And we're just currently at um, in the dark timeline for a community reference here of, of the King's season, hopefully. Hopefully we'll make it out of uh, out of this alive. I find that paragraph both interesting, and I think it's supposed to be a little bit comforting in the fact that, yeah, it is just a very tough part of their season. But also it's like, if they can't hack it against the toughest teams, what is that going to mean when they're playing the presumed toughest teams in the league in the playoffs? That's when they just... That's, that's just when they like throw them into the boards and try to like out-physical them and... That's that's what the slump is for is for them to like uh, recharge and then yeah, kill the other hopefully team. apparently hopefully. I don't know we'll see because <laughs> uh, I don't even think they're playing that tired like like you know I pointed out they're still if you look at the stats they're still dominating in terms of possession and whatnot they don't always lead in hits sometimes they do um, so it's not even like they're not trying necessarily they just for whatever reason aren't winning and. That's a strange thing to be in. It seems like all of the pieces don't exactly match up for where what's happening with them right now. And I think that is both the most frustrating and baffling part for people who are spectators and supporters. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense right now. Uh, we were talking about it when we were at the Penguins game, how annoying it was that, I mean, the Penguins are a fast team. Uh, it's like when the, the Avalanche come to town and... Uh, the Kings always play extra physical because the the Avalanche are so fast. But um, right off the jump, the Penguins out like out physicaled the yeah, uh, the Kings. They were coming hard. So like they 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 could the Kings couldn't even manage to like keep their identity and play to their strengths. No. Then no, they started out that game a so. hot mess. I was not surprised at all that that goal happened when it did because the Penguins came out with the speed, um, the possession, and the physicality, which was the amazing part, because you don't expect that as much from the Penguins team. Not that they're not a physical team ever, because they do have physical players, but it's not the primary part of their identity. Interestingly, though, there uh, was a question asked of Daryl Sutter that you know the reporter mentioned. Apparently, that the uh, sorry that the Penguins were looking forward to the game against the Kings because of the Bruins. And how terribly they had performed during the Eastern Conference Final. And how the Kings are basically, a lot of people have said, the Bruins and the Kings are built very similarly, in terms of defense, anyway. So Penn's really looking forward to a game like this to really test if they can match up against a big defensive team. I don't know how 
much they should have been looking forward to it with the Kings playing like they are right now. <laughs> but I, it was kind of interesting to me that it was like, oh, the Kings are supposed to be a test for this team. Well, clearly they passed it. But um, yeah. interesting. I mean, it's kind of not fair, though, because uh, the usual Kings team can at least score more than one goal. Yeah, even during that playoff run last year, they could score two goals. So what's up? Someone, so we're recording this as the uh, the Tip a King event rolls on in, in Los Angeles. And I just happened to glance at, at my Twitter feed and someone was just like, oh, I just heard the uh, the the King's goal horn, and it takes me back to, you know, a couple of months ago. Oh, no. <laughs> when so sad. Uh, which is, I mean, they obviously scored. Uh, we, di- we did get to hear the, the King's goal horn. Yeah. Which we have, I've missed terribly. Our old When friend. we went to go see the Penguins play. But, uh, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we don't we don't we don't get to party with the Gullhorn very often these days. It's nice when he comes out. <laughs> yeah, this um, reminds me of when uh, earlier in the season the Oilers uh, were shut out, uh, like in something like three or four or five of their home games. Oh. So literally nothing to cheer about. Like not only were they losing, they weren't scoring a single goal, and I was laughing at them then because I was like. Like, oh, yeah, you're losing. Yeah, that sucks. But, you know, you couldn't have just scored a goal. Like, you couldn't give any of your home team anything to cheer about. No. I take it back. <laughs> um, I apologize. <laughs> I see I see the error in my ways and how painful it is. Yeah, that's how I felt watching the Flyers game earlier, which I totally watched, even though neither of us tweeted. But, like, what was there to tweet about? It was the same old thing. So it, it for me, it would have just been a ton of pessimistic, like, oh, that was expected. Oh, someone was <laughs> terrible. That sounds about right. So I refrained. Also, I was uh, like half reading at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like half I, doing something else. I was watching. I watched most of it. I got distracted at the very end because I was hungry and they weren't going to score anyway. So, but I watched most of it, and um, that's what I was thinking about was the beginning of the season when the Flyers were having trouble getting anything going, and then I was like, oh, remember that time when I could gloat? Uh, One thing that has stuck out to me and that I got curious about this morning, because people have been, you know, everybody's looking for a reason why the Kings are having so much trouble, and because they're still ranked so high defensively, and even their goaltending is fine like the team save percentage is at 923 which is good enough for second in the league they're um slightly behind boston right now but there's still no problem there so people are looking for what the issue is because they still have great Corsi and fenwick numbers and they're like oh well maybe it's something about shot quality um in that jewels from the crown piece that i mentioned they talk about how historically or at least really the last three seasons the kings were shooting from the scoring chance area less than other teams, where most teams were shooting around 42-43%, the Kings were shooting at 39%. But, strangely, just to make you feel worse about everything, this season the Kings are keeping up with league average, which is at 43%, and the Kings have been shooting from scoring chance area about 42%. So I wanted to get the specific numbers, so I did that. And this does not include the Flyers game, because it, you know, just finished earlier today. But, overall... Prior to this game, and actually the goals number hasn't changed (laughs) because they got shut out, but overall, 128 goals on 1,780 shots. So that's a 7.3 shooting percentage. 
They've shot from the scoring chance area. They've scored 96 goals on 753 shots, which is actually a 12.7 shooting percentage, which is pretty good. When they get to that area and they shoot, they have had pretty good success. The problem, of course, is their power play sucks, so they're not getting very much help there. I don't think, like, they still probably would have lost games weirdly on this stretch because of the fact that they can't score goals, but even earlier in the season and, like, towards the beginning of this last road trip that they finished up, if they had scored some power play goals, they would have at least tied games or even had a chance to win. But it is still largely luck-driven because I compared it then to the team in the league that has scored the most goals so far, and that was the Chicago Blackhawks. And... From the scoring chance area, the at about specifically when you're looking at about 10 feet to 20 feet out on average for both teams, it was about 14 feet. From that place, the Blackhawks have taken almost 100 more shots. To be exact, it was 90 more shots. So 90 more shots from that 10 to 20 foot range, and they've scored 39 more goals than the Kings have. From that same 10 to 20 foot range in the scoring chance area, the Kings have scored 40 goals. Blackhawks have 79. That's insane on just a hundred more shots. How does that happen? There's no real way to explain it. Like you can't be like, well, if the Kings just take a hundred more shots, they'd have 39 more goals. That doesn't make any sense. That's just upsetting to me. I don't know if I feel better or worse knowing that. I I mean, it, yeah, it's just like, that's pretty lucky. So they could totally, I mean, cause my thing too was, Sometimes I feel like the Kings don't go to the middle enough, and they do an okay amount. The Blackhawks do more. That is very true. If you look at, um, I'll put up the screenshots because I use Greg Sinclair's super shot search, and those numbers are based basically on what comes from the NHL reports after games, which there's been some debate about how accurate they are. Sometimes they're off by a few feet, but whatever. That's what it's based on is the official information that comes out, and When you look at the maps, which I will paste in the post for this podcast, Blackhawks do get in that middle, you know, in the slot area a little more, and the Kings could stand to get there more. But even still, there's like so much of a luck factor there. It doesn't make sense. It's not like, oh, they're getting there more, and also they have like 300 more shots from that area. No, they don't have that many more shots. (laughs) They're just scoring more goals. Uh, I think, like, Diane and I, we talked about this theory that, like, you know, part of it is it seems like the Kings don't really have dedicated net front presence, which could contribute to it as well. And also, in those shots, you can't differentiate which are power play goals, so you can't tell if, like, how much that would contribute for the Kings if they were scoring more power play goals. It's, it's one of those things where the eyeball test sometimes is misleading, and you kind of take a look at, at the numbers a little deeper, and it kind of explains a little more, um... But in this case, it really doesn't as to what's what's happening with the Kings right now. Mm-hmm. It's all very inexplicable. Yeah, very strange. Are there things when you watch that, not necessarily that you think will definitely change anything, but that you might like to see them try differently to see if it works? Um, I would like, and I would hope that it would stay this way since they performed very well today, is for the King, Carter, and... Uh, not King Carter, wow, the Kopitar, Carter, and Toffoli line to stay. Yeah. For a little while more. Get a a a few more chances, um, at least through this Olympic break, to see how how it goes. Um, I really like that line. I think you, I, everyone was concerned, um, confused as to why Toffoli was playing fourth line minutes and playing on the fourth line. Um, when he just wasn't being utilized to his potential. 
Um, and we definitely saw, like, despite the fact that there weren't any goals, we definitely saw what that line could do. Uh, it's a dangerous line, and I liked it. I liked um, it a lot. So I hope that, that that stays around for a little while more. You said that, because I, I didn't look at the final numbers, you said that Toffoli had, was that you? I don't Where did I see that? Somebody said Toffoli had seven shots. Oh, yeah. Uh, Toffoli had, I think, something like a team-high six shots, and then between Kopitar, Carter, and Toffoli, they had something like 15 shots, which the entirety of the Flyers had, like, 13. That's so good. That's so good. Um, so that's that's a little bit telling, and I feel like um, with the numbers and the like, just watching them play, you could see how effective they were, so I definitely think that that's something that we'll see. Um, going into the Blackhawks game on uh, on Monday, which is good because the Blackhawks are fast. Obviously, the Blackhawks are talented, so it'd be nice to see um, that line do something against the Hawks. Agreed. I really like um, that Toffoli got a shot on that top line. I was excited when it was mentioned in practice that he was getting, you know, taking rushes and whatever with Kopitar and Carter because when they busted that out at the end of the Penguins game, I was like, fuck you, Daryl Sutter, for waiting this long, first of all. But also just really excited to see him there. So I want him to stick around for a while. He got a little over 18 minutes today, which is like the most or like the second most that he's gotten since he came back to this team. And the first time, I mean... More Toffoli. I like Tyler Toffoli. I think he has so much potential for this franchise, and I think they should just continue to give him a chance because that's also the only way he's really going to learn how to hang against the top competition and stick it out during rough games is if you put him in those situations. Um, I would like to reiterate, I did tweet about it um, when it happened, but you spent, like, a good 30 seconds just punching me in the arm. I was so um, At this Penguins game over seeing Toffoli on that top line when we realized what was happening. I just got <laughs> pummeled um, sitting next to you, which is fantastic. I loved it. Um, but, yeah, um, we're excited. Chanel more violently so <laughs> than um, out of the two of us. I think part of it, too, was that it came right after that super bizarre Clifford-Lewis-Brown line that didn't make any sense. And I was like, what is this? And then I look up as they're going off, and I was like, Jeff Carter's out there, but is that, yes, it's Toffoli. What a wonderful (laughs) day. (laughs) And the Kings are, like, down 4-1 at that point, so it's not like they're going to, you know, change the whole game. Uh, But it was exciting for me to see. Um, speaking of Trevor Lewis, he did pretty all right today. Um, I liked him. He was fast. I still like Trevor Lewis. At one point, I thought that I was going to see a Trevor Lewis goal, and I was going to be upset because I didn't get to see it in person. Oh. But it's cool because it didn't it didn't happen no. anyway. So no. I think you'll. It's fine. I think uh, you'll be all right. <laughs> Eventually, Trevor Lewis. One day, and I will have confetti, and I will be there, and I will be the happiest person, <laughs> um, except for maybe Jack Wilson. Yeah, he'll be happier. Um, but now that I'm looking at the numbers, the shots to Foley with six, Carter with five, Kopitar with four, and then Lewis with four, and then everyone else with like two or one or nothing. That top line is good. I'm excited about it. And I, yeah, I like Trevor Lewis's hustle. I think Trevor Lewis tries really hard most games. Like, obviously, still sometimes he has games that are sloppier and it doesn't really work out for him. And clearly, as we all know, he's having trouble finding the back of the net like a lot of guys. But I think his hustle is pretty good most of the time. And 
I would like to see him just have like a breakout stretch for a while because I think he's worked hard for it. So uh, I would hope that he gets rewarded. It's unfortunate that he's having his own personal bad luck. Like back when the season started, you know, obviously we were all making fun of it. Um, So he had his own stretch of bad luck. But then on top of that, uh, is the Kings in general bad luck? So he's yeah. just like, I, I'm never scoring a goal ever again in my life. <laughs> it's never gonna happen for me. I should just give up. Um, um, also, give up. speaking of speaking of scoring goals, everyone who's attending Tip of King is like, because uh, one of the things is you know you can have Jeff Carter and uh, Jeff Schultz score a goal on you, like you go in net and they like take shots, um, and people are just gonna allow them to score so yeah. they can see a real live. <laughs> uh, King score, the King's goal in person. So that's another, another sad thing that's happening. Fans personally trying to remind them what it feels like to score goals. <laughs> trying to be super, op- yeah, super optimistic. <laughs> you can do it. This is what it feels like. Isn't this fun? You should do this in in <laughs> your real job this. life. Hey, remember when it worked for Andre Kopitar? Like, he wasn't scoring at the beginning of the season. He went on Ellen and, like, broke a bunch of plates. And then suddenly he scored a goal. Maybe this is what they need. They just need to remember what it feels like. Ellen, okay, Andy Lastner is, uh, I think, a producer on Ellen and is a huge Kings fan. And he needs to pull some strings uh, and, like, after hours on the Ellen set, just, like, let everyone go there, dance with Ellen for a little bit, and then shoot some pucks uh, at, at like a goal at some plates for charity and maybe something will happen we'll I, at this point i will take anything at this point i'm like the most weirdly superstitious person as to like hey maybe this will work whatever seems like it can help just do it just try everything i'm cool with that because i am desperate at this point <laughs> <laughs> i understand that this is mostly luck but i need the luck to turn around and I want to see them score and win some things so I can stop feeling so bad for them, but also mostly for me. <laughs> I don't want to feel bad for me. Uh, yeah. So if they could do something. I'm, fe- I'm feeling yeah. very delicate right now in my hockey feelings. Yeah. Same. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? We already talked a little bit about Robin Regeer's thousandth game. Um, I always forget that Robin Regeer is only 33. Uh, be, like I, he seems really old <laughs> to me. I don't really know how else to say it. He seems like an old man. <laughs> well, it was funny because when when they had like the dad trip, everyone was like, "Wait, that's Robin Regeer's dad." Like <laughs> yeah. Robin Regeer looks like the dad of his dad. It's like so it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but this is, I think, why I find him so charming and <laughs> why I'm so fond of him. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> Because you think he's an old man. <laughs> I like, oh, Apparently, old he's man. just like a kindly old man, and this is why I like him. <coughs> well, he's I'm not. I'm trying not to he's analyze 33. it too much. <laughs> 33, and it's ridiculous that he's, he's like an old man. Also, I think the fact that he's not that good a defenseman makes me think he's older. I'm like, oh, could we just like get rid of this old guy? But he's not that old <laughs> yet. So... That's unfortunate for him. I'm sorry that you looked that old, Ralph McGear. I wish you didn't. And I wish you played like you were 33. That would be nice, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So, but that makes me think uh, about the Kings have to make some kind of move. Like, people people have pointed out that what they're not going to do this season is make a coaching change. I think... The longer this goes on, the more people are like, well, maybe it's the coaching staff. Like, is it Daryl Sutter's time to go? But 
it's his first full season with the Kings, it's highly unlikely the Daryl Sutter's getting fired this year, guys. Sorry, if that's what you want. So that's not happening. But they'll probably make some changes with players eventually, especially if this keeps continuing through and past the Olympic break. Rumors. I was looking at TSN's insider trading column with um, Darren Drager, and he mentioned some things the Kings were looking at. One of them has been out there for a little while, which is Matt Molson, who is currently in Buffalo. Matt Molson, who, of course, used to play for the Kings. So he's been talked about. He's a UFA this summer. And right now he's injured, which probably puts a damper on things for Dean Lombardi if he was trying to get anything done before the Olympic break, because that ain't going to happen. Matt Wilson is injured, thanks to Shane Doan. Thanks, Shane Doan, for nothing. Uh, And he will be out through the Olympic break. The other name that was also a Kings player and that has caused some trouble for the Kings this season is Mike Camilleri who is with Calgary. He has had, he was out for like nine games with an injury, but I think he's supposed to come back soon. So he's also UFA, would be a rental player. Then there also is Thomas Vanek, who is on the Islanders because he was part of that trade with Matt Molson earlier this season. Um, the thing that the Islanders have said so far is that they do, they would love to re-sign Vanek. So they'll probably, if anything happens with him, it won't happen until very close to the deadline or on the trade deadline day then they'll move him because I think they're trying to work out a deal. Well, I guess of those three players, Diane, which one would you rather have for the Kings? Eh, I would like Matt Molson, I guess. I have no real opinions about either of them um, because I don't think that they're, you know, the golden ticket. They're no, they're no Jeff Carter. Uh, there's no there's no slot that they're perfectly going to fill and all of a sudden all of the, the Kings' woes are going to be uh, filled. I'm, like, deeply upset by the Mike Camilleri one just because of all of the troubles he's caused for the Kings um, as a flame this season. So I'm just like, no, I don't accept this right now. (laughs) But maybe if they do make that deal, then that's like, they at least guarantee uh, three more wins this season because he won't be around to score a late goal against the Kings. So, Maybe I don't know. I, would, I do like the uh, the Matt Molson. Um, I would like to have hilarious. Uh, what are they? How are they? Brother in law? I think so. I guess, yeah. Episodes. I was gonna say stepbrothers, but that's not the that would be amazing. remake. Some Molson quick activities. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I would like to see their weird brother in law feature on you know Kings Weekly or what have you. Um. But, yeah, I don't really have – I honestly don't have too much of a, an opinion on those three guys on the Kings because I don't think that that's really the answer. Yeah. Also, I would just like to point out that, like, Mike Camilleri and Thomas Vanek for rental players, they are expensive. Um, yeah. So – and, like, first of all, rental players aren't generally Dean Lombardi's vibe. So it is surprising to me that if they're going to go a rental route for the season, that they would pick guys who cost so much money. The name that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a surprise, and I haven't really heard before reading this insider trading thing, was Sam Gagne from Edmonton. Apparently also is someone that they're interested in if another, like, straight, like, natural left-winger deal doesn't present itself. He is contracted through the 2015-2016 season, and he is a center, naturally, but he plays wing a lot. And actually, what I've he's had some trouble scoring goals this season, but what I've seen from like reading stuff about Edmonton players and whatnot is that a lot of people like him a little better when he's on the wing because he, he's really good at sort of attacking 
and finding ways to score. So if that's true, um, Sam Gagne and he did come to the Kings, they do need more help on the wing, I think. And that could be interesting. What do you think about Sam Gagne coming to L.A.? I like it. I like Sam Gagne a lot <laughs> as, a, as a player and as a person. So I uh, would approve of that heartily if he were to be on the uh, on the Kings. I think also a big thing that I like about Sam Gagne, um, of of those four players, Matt Molson is actually the cheapest. He right right now he makes three million, three point one three million. But of course, again, he's UFA, so he's probably going to be looking for more money. So who knows how much he would make after that? What I like about Sam Gagne though is that he's the he's really young. He's twenty four. So I always forget that because he's like the veteran on uh, on the Oilers team. You know, like he's he's been around for a while on on the Oilers team, so um, it's I always forget that he is. Oh God, is he younger than me? That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, he's twenty four, so he's got plenty of upside. Even even if he's having trouble this season, like he's got plenty of upside. So it would be great to have him on the Kings for a while. Once again, this is another thing of me wanting to count down to the Olympic break because that means to count down to the trade deadline, and I know that something's going to happen. Oh, you know, yeah. like, I, I, just, I just want it to happen already. Right, yeah. Uh, every every week I'm just like, can it? Can we just know what's going to happen? Can I just stop uh, reading about, talking about, um, like, the potential trades and just see what it's actually going to be and just be, uh, you know, prepare myself for it, like, be okay with it and, like, go into the playoffs knowing that this is what it's going to be instead of just the, the, the rampant speculation that keeps me up at night. What do you think of, like, the Kings' bottom six, like, overall? I mean, beyond the fact that they're not producing any goals, um, I think they're fine. I don't know. I don't really have a problem with them yet. Like, once again, this is just still, for a lot of them, their first full season, and I can't really fault them. I can't. I mean, I do expect the Kings to go far every year, but it's right yeah because i saw some tweets today about like people mentioning that uh namely fear the finn who you know is a shark's blog or whatever was mentioning that like on paper the king's bottom six looks like trash which i'm sure this season they totally do and that's fine so i was wondering like is that and i also saw i forget where i'm sorry i was reading an article about how maybe for teams what is or what can be pretty beneficial is Yes, having a solid top six, but also having a bottom six that doesn't get scored on a lot. And I don't actually know how many goals the third and fourth line for the Kings allow, but I feel like it becomes a lot more stark when their production is so low as well. So now I'm kind of thinking like, oh, I don't know about the Kings' bottom six. I wonder if there is anything I would change about it or or whatever. I yeah, I, I, I guess I don't really pay attention to that because there's other things that are pressing. I think I noticed... I noted it earlier that before it was, you know, only the top six scores were scoring goals and the bottom six weren't. And um, and that was only for, like, a few stretch of games where we were kind of, like, worried about that because, you know, the Kings need more scoring. But when it dried up completely um, and only Andre Kopitar was scoring, I just stopped worrying about that and just wanted anyone to score. You know, so it wasn't so much like a top six, bottom six kind of deal. I just needed someone to step it up right somebody just do your job yeah it was just it was just all forwards uh and i guess defensemen just lumped in together as one instead of a uh 
bottom six needs to be doing, like, producing more type of thing. It's everyone needs to be producing more. So I kind of stopped worrying about it. And uh, with Daryl Sutter continuing to mix things up in an interesting manner, um, uh, like, the bottom six, like, who knows? Like, Dustin Brown was in the bottom six for a while. Like, right, right. I don't, I don't know. True. True as well. All right. So... Um, we didn't get to do this last week because it wasn't quite time for it, but now it's the beginning of February and this is past. We'll, we'll just bring it up anyway. So, player of the month. I know this is impossible, but I want to read you the choices. And it's fine if we can't decide on anybody. But here were the player of the month choices for January from the King site. The choices were Jonathan Quick, Jeff Carter, Andre Kopitar, Mike Richards, and Drew Doughty. I'm sorry I couldn't even say Mike Richards' name without laughing. <laughs> I was going to say, I like that you had to laugh, because when we first saw it, we were just like, excuse me? Is that a typo? <laughs> so it's not Mike Richards. <laughs> but any of those other players, do you, would you name them Player of the Month? No. I guess Kopitar. I guess Kopitar. To be fair, like, when I looked at the results, that is what most... Actually, no, I'm sorry. That's a total lie. Him and Jeff Carter were pretty close, but the winner was Jonathan Quick, actually, from people who voted online, uh, which I found very interesting. I'm cool with with that. Yeah, I I don't know the exact number because I didn't calculate it, but his save percentage since coming back from injury has been really good. I'm sure these last two games have absolutely ruined it, but uh, prior to getting pulled in the game before the Flyers and um, today's game, which he had like a eight something. He was probably fine, doing really well. And even, let's just move on to this next part. What I think we should really do is talk about players that we have a lot of sympathy for (laughs) in the month of January. And probably a number of these players would fit into that category. Like, it's weird to call them player of the month because nobody's been outstanding, but here are the players that have tried really hard and I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, and so I would include, like, Jonathan Quick in that because, you know, like, with the game he got pulled, yeah, he let in three goals on seven shots in that first period, which was horrible or something. But at the same time, it was during that five-on-three and in the power play that, that the Penguins had, even after they had scored on the five-on-three. That's rough, especially because the Kings' penalty kill has not actually been as great as the standings would lead you to believe they allow a lot of shots. They don't clear the puck as much as they probably should on most penalty kills, especially because they have so many damn penalties. So goaltending has been propping it up, and if your goaltender is not lights out on your penalty kill, then sorry about your save percentage, bro. So feel kind of bad for him. He's been trying really hard since coming back from injury, and his team has been making it terrible. I feel bad for any goalie that is behind there essentially. So Martin Jones as well, uh, either when he starts or when he's been um, the Jonathan Quick's relief in that both of them are back there being like, we are trying our hardest. Will you do something We're for doing us? We're so much. Like, I am risking, uh, you know, groin strains and like pulling all sorts of muscles. I am doing the splits back here for you. And <laughs> What are you doing? Um, if you guys could just, if you guys could just score a damn yeah. goal that would be swell yeah i think in like even today like sure the kings only allowed 13 shots from the flyers and that should be like great or whatever but actually no it's not if you're not going to score any goals could you do your goaltender a favor and let through some weak shots so he can save them and you know spare his save percentage that would be great <laughs> that's kind of how i feel yeah like once once they were already down 4-1 uh at the penguins game 
they should have just, you know, let let things go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, you know, allow him to look good, maybe. I don't know. Just for fun. Just help him out. If you can't score a goal for your goaltender, at least ramp up his numbers. Right, yeah. Because I feel like at this point, all these other goaltenders are coming in and getting these, like, really great games, and it makes it look like they're really good at their jobs. And But at the, you know, meanwhile, like, the King goaltenders are like, what the fuck? <laughs> you only let, I only give up goals when you give up these great scoring chances, and I don't have other shots otherwise. So if you're not going to make a bunch more mistakes, what am I going to do? There is nothing more accurate than the I think multiple people said any goalie that plays against the Kings and wins deserves an asterisk next to this game <laughs> because the Kings have been absolute garbage. <laughs> They've basically just given up, you know, some stats to people. Just here, inflate your numbers. It's cool. But uh, hopefully that just, you know, leads all of these teams and goaltenders into a false sense of security when it matters in the playoffs. That's my dream. That is the dream, and one that I would like to share with you. <laughs> Let's inception that dream together. <laughs> Make it a reality. Um, the other player that I feel bad for is Andre Kopitar, and he is trying so hard, and he's trying to score goals. He's gotten, you know, at least one. He set up some quality chances. He's still great at both ends of the ice, and he is getting very little support. <laughs> from the rest of the lines like his line is usually doing their best and even like you know not to totally crap on other king's lines they get possession or whatever but i feel like andre kopitar is clearly working the hardest oh for sure like he is single-handedly well i mean as we and many other people have noted he is the king's offense right now him by himself alone is the king's offense in the last five or six games. <laughs> and for a stretch, it was like the same for Jeff Carter, like where he was like fifty percent of the king's goal scoring. If only they could be on at the same time, maybe the kings could win at least a couple games. That is also true. <laughs> Any other players that you feel particularly bad for? Um, I guess Tyler Toffoli, just because he hasn't been playing, um, but he is now, so I don't feel sorry for him anymore because he gets his chance. So seeing him sit on the sidelines was very depressing because you would just see him sitting on the bench and I'm like, just throw him on the ice, please, please, anyone. Yeah. I mean, since it's February now, I think it's still fair to say I feel bad for Tyler Toffoli for the month of January where he got kind of screwed. I'm glad that he is back and now in the month of February, maybe we'll have more time and it'll be good. Fingers crossed. I feel a little bad for Drew Doughty because... Even though Jake Muzzin continues to be a really solid possession player overall, Jake Muzzin has not developed a brain. <laughs> and that's unfortunate for Drew Downey because then it's like, oh, his other option that he got paired with, you know, a lot this season is Robin Regeer, who sucks. So it's it's a rough time to be Drew Doughty, I think, as a defenseman on this team. Poor Drew Doughty. Can't catch a break. And I think what highlighted it was Rob Scuderi coming back and like having like him talking about Rob Scuderi and being kind of wistful. <laughs> Remember when I had a solid D partner and he was great all the time, basically were the quotes from Drew Daddy. I mean, those were the exact quotes, but that, that was the flavor. <laughs> those, yeah, those quotes were pretty good. Uh, both sad and just kind of fantastic. Being like, we had so much fun. Like, we did so many things. We scored so many goals. We were so good together. Like, he was a great guy. I went to dinner with him. Like, And he was just like, all right, but like, put it away, Drew Daddy. We get it. So, yeah, that sucks that he, as talented as he is, he can't 
unleash his full potential because he has to, con- I mean, as, you know, offensively talented as he is, he can't unleash that as much as he would be able to otherwise since he has to um, constant, he like, he has to be the defenseman. Um, he doesn't have someone who has his back in that regard and won't let him, you know, deke around other players to, to score right, a goal. Yeah. And Jake Muzzin has been, like, good at times or whatever. He has a pretty good shot, even though his shot seems to get blocked all the time lately. Uh, but, you know, like, watching him make mistakes is awful. He had a turnover today, which was wretched. There was a moment that led to a dowdy penalty in the Penguins game because Jake Muzzin had a puck that was loose, and he could have gone to get it, but then he took 8 million years and then it ended up getting poked away from him by a Penguins player who was not taking 8 million years. Drew Doughty had to try to recover the puck, ends up taking a penalty. What are you doing, Jake Muzzin? Help him out. It's also, uh, I was watching Kings Weekly, or not Kings Weekly, Kings Live after the Flyers game tonight, and hearing him talk, he's so optimistic about the team and their chances. He's so positive, like relentlessly positive about, like, having a good team, doing it for each other, like, all of it, that I just want nice things for him. Yeah, same. I think it, I just wanted to turn around because his optimism is, I don't know, it's just so nice, and I want him to be proved right. Uh, Although at the same time, like, like, one of his quotes was like, this seems to happen with the Kings every year, and it's like, yeah, that should probably not be true. Can we fix it? Please, please, let's not have this happen. All right. I guess we should wrap this thing up. Anything before we want to go? Oh, there was that Vince Scrivens thing. We should mention that. Yes. I just want to talk about how great Brett Ben Scrivens is and how I miss him. And I am so sad for him because he went from, not that the uh, Kings defense has been stellar as of late, but uh, he went from playing behind the the Kings defense to then going to the Oilers. But uh, but still being amazing because he set an NHL record in getting a 59 save shutout uh, against the Sharks. So fantastic because he got a shutout. He was just lights out amazing because Ben Scrivens is the greatest. Yeah, and also it was awesome. Sharks. I definitely watched. I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched the last, like the second half of the third period to see if he could take it all away, and he did, and it was awesome. And Ben Scriven seems to be someone who does really well against the Sharks, so I like it. Because that's when he got his point, right? Against the Sharks? And he got a shout-out against the Sharks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, prior to this one, when he was on the Kings, so... Yeah, that's really good. Well. And afterwards, he still was really nice about it. He was like, well, it's still, like, a team effort, and I want to be like, really, Ben Scrivens? It's not a no. team effort. <laughs> it was a you effort. If there is any time to be like, you know, honestly, this is probably <laughs> right, <yeah>. all me. <laughs> it was this time. Like, Dallas Eakins came out and was like, I am so happy for Ben Scrivens. He was amazing. Everyone else was an embarrassment, and I'm mad at them. And I'm like, yes, that is the correct <laughs> right, yeah. reaction. I really enjoyed all of his quotes being like, half awe and pride and half utter disgust at his team. It was amazing. I wanted Ben Scrivens to just go full, like Richard Sherman, I'm the best goalie in the game. That's what I wanted. (laughs) And um, he's way too nice to do that, but I feel like it would have been earned that particular night. That would have been amazing. I approve of that greatly. So, congratulations to Ben Scrivens on continuing to be awesome. Uh, Hopefully the Kings will turn their thing around and we will have 
at least one more episode at the end of next week before the Olympic break kicks in. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Yep. Hopefully we'll get some wins going into the Olympic break. Um, then we won't be all sad. And then I think some of us will be enemies because we'll be heavily rooting for Team America, Team USA. Um, I'll be re- rooting for Slovenia. That's true. <laughs> so. That's true. Team, <laughs> team Slovenia. Um, I actually have the USA hockey website, like, store website open right now, because I'm like, how do I get this delivered to me now so that I can wear it and be obnoxious? That's awesome. (laughs) Definitely. I will figure out where I can buy a Team Slovenia jersey from and uh, get that handled, hopefully. Uh, That would be amazing. Just, like, the lone person. No, you and Gaspar Kopitar, since he's not playing on the team, just, like, walking around L.A. true. Walking around (laughs) L.A. uh, in a in a Slovenia uh, jersey, Slovenian jersey, I guess. If if so many of those games were on so damn early our time, I would totally be like, I'm having a watch party and inviting um, Gaspar Kopitar so we can cheer for Slovenia together. The only two people in seriously, Los it's like seven. It's <laughs> seven a.m. Eastern time or something like that, and I'm like, all right, do I wake up at four a.m. to watch hockey? Maybe. <laughs> Depending on the game, maybe. Um, I also wish I didn't have to work during that time, but I do. Same. That's really the thing. Maybe if I was like on vacation, I would, but I don't know if I'm really going to wake up that early to watch any Olympic coverage. So uh, do well, teams. <laughs> I will be asleep. Yes. But anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week. If you do not follow us on Twitter, you should. We are at ThanksBud, or individually, I am at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Fan. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Next week, I will, for part of the week, I'll be in New York. So I'm going to a Rangers-Oilers game, actually, and hopefully I'll get to see Ben Scrimmins. So if you want to read my thoughts about Rangers-Oilers game, you can follow me on my individual Twitter. But the Kings are playing that night, and Diane will be on top of that. Yes, I will. It'll It'll most likely be sad tweets, I assume. I'm sure. (laughs) So uh, have fun, everyone. (laughs) And um, we'll catch you guys next weekend.